Hello and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. This is Tito Sotolongo, your podcast pastor as well as pastor at tabernacleofgod.church in Tampa, Florida. Now, my purpose is to help you find faith in Christ and follow through in your life. And today's message is really hitting on that right there. As we are in this second week of Lent season, just really learning how to lean in, remember the things that we ought to remember that we tend to forget throughout the year from time to time, and learning to find even more areas to repent and to surrender to the authority of God so that the Holy Spirit can renew us so we can best reflect Christ in all that we do. And today is a big one on learning how to. There's an element that we have to follow through on if we want to see God do something in our life. In fact, the Apostle Paul is going to talk about this. It's actually one thing that if we fail to do, then we will fail to see God do certain things in our life. And so this is a really important one, and I really pray that this really hits. I really pray that you may listen and hear what God has to say, because if there is a part that you and I have to play regarding our faith, if we want to see God do his part in a mighty way. So let's find out what that is right now. This is the first time I've ever done a series on Lent. And it's kind of weird for some because Lent has a real big uh, Catholic kind of connotation, a little a bit of a connection. Uh, Lent is something that Christians have been celebrating, I don't know if you know, for 14, 1600 years. And because it has a big Catholic thing, a lot of people maybe kind of step away from it. But listen, just because, you know, Lent, what Lent means is a very Christian thing, more than just a Catholic thing. It's all it is. It's, in fact, it was inspired by Jesus's 40 days in the desert. I don't know if you know that. You know, Lent is a, a 40-day celebration before Easter Sunday. And the reason why 40 days is because Jesus had to spend 40 days in the desert to get ready to do the work that he was about to do in the world. That's what he was doing. He got time. He got ready to do. There was something that God was going to do in him. So I'm a preparation to get ready to do the work that he was supposed to do. So that, and that's why we celebrate Lent. It's a yearly reminder of saying, Lord, I don't want to do the work that you have called me to do without you. And it's a yearly routine that honestly, guys, should be a part of our daily rhythms We should honestly, that right there, remembering, repenting, renewal, it should be a consistent thing that we do. Remembering all the time, God, I need you to do this job. I need you to, to, to be fill in the blank wherever you are right now. I need you in my life. It's something that we ought to do all the time. Because here's the thing, guys, if you and I, try, if you try to do things on your own without God, and you try to do the work without God, I'm telling you, you're going to create more work for yourself. All right, you're going to create more work for yourself. I mean, even when, I, when that hit me, I was reminded, talking about remembering, I was reminded of a time when I wanted to surprise Alicia. And I wanted to surprise Alicia. She was gone for the weekend as a business trip and a previous employee employment that she had. And so I wanted to surprise her by remodeling the, the closet. That's a big deal. All right, she was like, yo, I'm, I'm going to score some points. I'm going to score some points on this, so I'm going to remodel the closet. Here's the thing. I couldn't afford a professional, number one. Number two, I couldn't even afford new shelving units, okay? So all I did was detach the shelving units from the closet and just put them in a different place. That's it, okay? That was remodeling the closet. And it was like, let me just rearrange the current situation that we have so that maybe there's more space that she can walk in and be like, Man, wow, look what you did, okay? I was like, so that was what I was hoping for. I spent all weekend working hard, okay? I wanted to surprise her. 
I was really the one that was more surprised because she wasn't, okay? She wasn't surprised because she wasn't impressed. Look, and I'm not going to blame her. Look, I didn't do that great of a job. It wasn't that impressive. I spent all weekend doing something that at the end, it was like, mm, okay, okay. I mean, it was just that. I don't blame her for that. And so I did all that work, all that work. And I was like, oh man, I could have just done a thousand other things. I don't know why I did that, but whatever. She was surprised though, a couple days later. A couple days later, she was surprised, uh, me, both of us were, when we were woken up, jolted better out of bed from the sound of what we thought was the roof collapsing on top of us. The shelving units did, okay? And not the roofs. The shelving units just fell right off the wall. I mean, just Ed took everything down. I mean, oh, we, like, we could not go to sleep after that. I mean, apparently, you're supposed to screw the shelving units to studs, okay? Supposed to screw them onto a stud. So whatever, they all came They all came down. So all that work that I did, now I had to do more work, right? Because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't ask for help. I didn't ask for a professional. I didn't buy equipment. I just kind of eyeballed it, you know, just kind of looking for, yeah, I guess right there, you know? And so I created more work for myself because I had to put it all back. And then here's the more embarrassing thing. As I, it didn't occur to me, not even the first time. And then it didn't occur to me the second time as I'm putting everything back. Never once did I pause to think, how is my five foot two wife going to reach this top shelf? She can't. She's too short. Okay. She's the perfect size for me, right? Maria, I love it. that I can just put my chin on the top of her head like that. I love it. I love it. But here's the thing though. I now I've created more work for myself because I'm the only one tall enough to hang everything up. And so I didn't think it through. So here's, that's what I'm saying. I did all of this work and then created more work for myself because A, I wanted to do it my way. B, I didn't ask for help. And guys, that's what happens when we try to do things our way without God's help or assistance. We will create more work for ourselves because things don't always work out when you try to do it your way. In the same thing. In fact, that's guys, that's what happened with Adam and Eve. Do you guys know, you know, we talked about this last week, Adam and Eve, God gave them a job to do, and he told them to not do one thing. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right. And there's a lot of, you know, you can break that down in a lot of ways, but you know, what was one of the most basic and most simple, obvious ways that we don't comprehend. Why did God do that? Why did he put a tree in the middle and says, don't, you got to do this job. You got to work, bro. You guys got to work, but do not touch This tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What God was telling Adam and Eve was this. Listen, to do this, to do this work, you can't figure it out on your own. You can't figure it out on your own. You need me. You need me. So for you to run and to figure it out, again, what's good, what's wrong, what's right, what's wrong. And if you try to figure it out without me, it's not going to work out. You're not going to work out. And that's what Adam and Eve did. It's not just eating from a piece of fruit. It's bigger than that. It was them saying, Lord, we don't need you to figure out life. We don't need you. I think we got this. I think we got this. And unfortunately, guys, still today, you and I, we have extra work to do because things aren't working out because of that. You and I, we still do that. When we try to do things our way, things don't always work out. And then we got more unnecessary work to do. We all do this. Well, this all happens to us. You know, God said, when he told Adam and Eve and confronted them, he goes to Adam and saying, bro, you got to work the ground, but now the ground is going to produce a couple extra stuff. Now it's going to produce thorns and different things that is going to kind of get in the way, and it's going to be a little more difficult. Now, because of that, guys, you and I, when we do things our way, 
then sometimes we, you know, all those things are produced. And so we have now those thorns inside of our jobs or, or those things inside of our lives that are just, man, this, this hurts or this is annoying and why? And it's because we are trying to choose to do things our way versus leaning on God. And so unfortunately, because we chose to do things our way, it not just created more work for us. It honestly created work for God. But you know what? Though God was willing to take on that extra work. And that's why Jesus came down here to do what we couldn't do, to do what we couldn't figure out. He came and lived the life none of us could live and died for our sins. So that way when he, and he rose from the grave, so now we can have life. God had to go to work because things didn't work out for us. But he was willing to do it. He was like, oh, all right, look, let me do it because y'all don't know what y'all doing. I mean, it wasn't that attitude. He wanted to. He wanted to. And because God is doing a great work, listen, it does, it also means this. Yeah, God's at work still in the world. But just because God's doing a lot of the work doesn't mean you don't have something to do. We all have a work to do. And you can't figure it out yourself. If you try to figure out how to work it out, it's not going to work. We need to lean on God. Let's not repeat the same mistakes. We need God to do this. We can't do it without him. We can't do it without him. And so... That's what we're going to look at today. In fact, I want to look at this first verse in, not Psalms, I want to say Psalms, Philippians, that's where we're at. Look at, look at chapter 2, verse 12. Paul is talking to this church in Philippi, and he's encouraging them on, listen, this is a work that God has for us in the world, and here's how you're supposed to do it. Here's how you're supposed to live out in the world. And here's the big thing, point number one that we're going to make today is this. And I don't know, some of you guys might not know this, and it's important if you don't. There's a lot of Christians in here probably that have no clue this was even a verse. Ready? Point number one for today is salvation is something that we are meant to work out. You guys know that? Salvation is something you and I are supposed to work out. If you're a believer in Christ, you have to work out your salvation. And look, that's not me saying it. That's Paul. Look at Paul says in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, and by the way, the therefore is connecting everything he previously said. So when you see a therefore, you got to go backwards, but we're not going to do that. He's really talking about everything that Jesus has done in the world, how he's lived, his attitudes. And we're saying, look, guys, we got to model Christ. Our work in this world is to look more like Christ, it's to work like Jesus in all things. And so because of what he has done, therefore, check it out. My dear friends, just as you have always obeyed. So now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your salvation. Say that. Say, read that word. Say, work out your salvation. One more time. Say, work out your salvation. And here's how. With fear and trembling. It's an interesting phrase there. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Yo, why add that word there? Fear and trembling. Listen, to say that, to work out your salvation in fear and trembling, or really a phrase that he's mentioning is the fear of God, He's saying, yo, you got to take this seriously. You got to take your salvation seriously. If you got to work it out in fear and trembling, realizing, recognizing this, if you don't work out your salvation, some things aren't going to work out. Some things aren't going to work out. You got to work it out. If not, it's not going to work out. To work out in in fear and trembling is to do it in the fear of the Lord. And that's like a weird phrase that some people still struggle with. Because, see, sometimes we would think, well, to fear of the Lord means to fear the Lord. And it's different. In fact, the fear of the Lord, I love this quote. It says it this way. The fear of God, here's what we're supposed to do. We ought to fear God out of love. We're not called to love God out of fear. 
I'm going to say that again because you got to let that settle in. Okay, you are called, we are called to fear God out of love. Not fear, not love God out of fear. Okay, to fear God out of love is meaning, yo, I, you recognize and you are so serious about who he is. You take him seriously. To fear God is to believe in him, it's to honor him. It's to choose to not do certain things just because, oh, I, I can't do it. I can't do certain things because, no, it's because you don't want to ruin what you have. You don't want to ruin the relationship with you have. Or it's even better than that. You realize, you realize that there is nothing better than this relationship. So you're okay with not doing this and not doing that. You know, and say, look, it's, it's just like, you know, let's say with me and Alicia, with, you know, being married. Look, I don't, I, I don't step out. I don't got a side chick because I'm afraid of her. Even though she got a mean right hook, though. Okay? She does. All right? She got, Alicia got a mean right hook, just so you know. Now, look, I don't have a side chick because I'm afraid of what she's going to do to me. Okay? That's not the case. I choose. I don't want to. I don't need anyone else because I know that there is nothing better. And I don't want to. Look, she for real. Like, I, I know that there is nothing better than what we have. And I don't care about what else is out there, who else I haven't met. I know what I have, and I want this to work. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, big amen on that one. I want this to work. I want this to work. And so I, and that's, that's an expression of the fear of God. It's to fear God saying, God, I love you so much that I, I don't need to, you know, have another side piece besides you. Like I just know, and I don't want to devil in and dip into the same old things that's going to ruin my relationship with you because I love you. I love you. Do you guys know that, that it's, you know, that Jesus, he died for our sins, and, I, and Spurgeon's pastor, one time he said this, listen, if Jesus died for our sins, why are we going to mess around with the same thing that killed our best friend? Oh, listen to that. If Jesus died for our sins, then why do we want to play with the things that killed our best friend? That's what it means to fear God. To work out your salvation in fear and trembling means that. It's to fear God out of love. I love you. I love, and I choose not to. It's different. We don't love him out of fear because that's rule following. That's saying, okay, well, I got to do this and I got to do that because if I don't do this and do that, God's not going to bless me. Or if I do this and I don't do that, then God's going to come down on me. No, that's not the fear of God. That's wrong. We don't love God out of fear. It's different. That's not the heart. That's not the approach that God wants. But the fear of God is important, guys. Again, you got to work out your salvation in fear and trembling because you know what happens when there's no fear of God? Y'all got to listen to this one. If there is no fear of God, then guess what? You're not going to be afraid to break his laws. If you don't fear God, that means you have no fear of the ramifications of saying, oh, God said this, but mm, I'm going to try something else. All right, I'm going to do it anyways. If there's no fear of God, then there is no fear to cross his boundaries. And that's what Adam and Eve did. The reason why Adam and Eve fell and they ate and they believed in the devil in that moment is because for one, that, that instant, they had no fear of God. They began to doubt God and say, well, maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe I'm not going to die. He just, you know, he just don't want me to be like him. Okay, I see you. Right. And that's what they were doing. That's how they were thinking. And because there was no fear of God, when God said, if you eat it, you're going to die. I'm like, nah, he's not. You're not going to die. Well, maybe I won't. That was no fear of God, and they had no fear of crossing the boundaries. Guys, that's what happens to us. That's what happens to us. If we try to do things, if no fear of God means, Lord, I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to try to figure it out. Notice Paul said, work out your salvation, not figure it out. It's different. Work it out. Don't figure it out. And that's what happens. 
When there's no fear of God, then you don't, you're not going to be afraid to break it. But here's the, so the key God thing, guys, you don't break God's laws. You can't. It's not like that. You don't break God's laws. See, Cecil B. DeMille said, listen, we are unable to break the Ten Commandments. We break ourselves against them. Listen to that. We don't break God's laws. We don't break God's laws. We break ourselves against them. When we try to do something in that way, we're not damaging. We're not, you know, the only damage we're doing is upon ourselves. Like if I take a vase and I just go slam it against the wall right now, I'm not going to break the wall. I'm going to break the vase. And that's what happens when we try to break God's laws. No, we break our face against them. That's what happens. It's us. We incur damage upon ourselves. And that's why he's saying you need to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Because if you don't work out your salvation, if you don't work it out, God's going to have to bail you out. Listen, working out is in this way. It's, it's really developing a discipline. You guys know that. It, I know it's a simple English word. But have you raise your hand if you've ever heard of the word a disciple. That, hey, Jesus has and wants disciples. Have you ever heard of the word disciple? Yes or no? You know where we get the word disciple from? Discipline. Okay, a disciple is someone who develops disciplines and the disciplines that we have to have as disciples of Jesus are what the disciplines of looking like acting like becoming more like Jesus. That's the disciplines that we're supposed to have. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of Christians, even that they don't work out their salvation. They don't develop any new disciplines. And so what happens are they're saved, yet they're still falling for the same old lines and plays of the enemy. Do you guys know that here's the thing about the fear of God and and the opposite to fear God is this to fear God is to hate any sin that you're caught in. Pay attention to that. To fear God is to hate any sin you are caught in. You realize, oh man, okay, you're in this spot. You either had an off day, made a mistake, whatever. And you realize, yo, I, I don't like this. The fear of God is to hate is to learn to hate the things that God hates and to love the things that God loves. And so to fear God is to hate any sin that you're caught in. And you're saying, Lord, forgive me, repent, help me bring me together, help me be right back. Do you know what the the fear of God, this is the opposite. If you hate the sin you're caught in, you got a little bit of the fear of God in there, that's good. But you know what a lot of people do though? They just kind of hate getting caught in sin. You see the difference? Some of y'all smirking, I'm like, yeah. I was like, all right. If you just hate the fact that you got caught in sin and you don't hate the sin you're caught in, there's no fear there. You just mad you up. You just mad you got busted. You mad you got outed. That's it. That's not the fear of God. The fear of God is not just get, hating getting caught in sin. It's hating the very sin that you're caught in, because you know, man, my God is better, and He's so much more, and He still loves me, even though He does. He might not love what I just did. And so, guys, that's super important because if you don't work out your salvation, you know what God's gonna have to do? He's gonna have to break you out. There's a lot of Christians who they don't work out the salvation enough and then they get caught in repeated repentance. I'm pretty sure we've all found, I've found myself in there. Pretty sure a lot of us have found ourselves here because to repent means to obviously come back. It's to return, it's to get back in line. And listen, repenting is not repeating an apology because there's a lot of times that people get caught in a sin. They'll be like, oh, well, oh God, I'm sorry. But they go back and do it again. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. And they get that, do it again. God, I'm sorry. They do it again. That, look, repenting is not repeating an apology. If you have to repeat over and over and over and over again, and if you're a Christian, here's the thing. You're enslaved at that point. You can be a Christian and be enslaved by the enemy. You're still saved, but now you're enslaved. And this is why it's so important for us to work out our salvation so we don't lose the joy of our salvation, so we don't lose that connection with God. That's what matters. 
That's what matters so we don't lose our connection with God. So we got to work it out. And you know what that work, uh, Paul uses that word. Can, can we put it back up? I want you to see it. Paul uses this word, work out your salvation. And that Greek word, work, that Greek word, work out, is actually means to mine. Okay, you guys know what mining is? You ever done that? It's something, I don't know if you've ever done it. I've never done it, but I'm pretty sure we know what it is. Mining is when you have, like, you're trying to chisel out rock to unearth a diamond or to unearth, you know, precious metals or gems. So when Paul says work out your salvation, it's because there is something deep. There is something deep there. You got to develop what has been deposited in your life. You got to develop what's been deposited. Remove all of those rocky, stony areas that are blocking and getting in the way from you experiencing and encountering all that God has deposited in you. To work it out, you know, we work out that salvation, discover work. In fact, this is what we're doing now. Do you guys know that we're working out our salvation right now? Because we are mining the scriptures. We're not just reading it. We're looking and we're analyzing. We're letting the Lord speak. This is part of working out our salvation. Mining the character and the nature of God. What else can we learn? What else can we unearth? Mining our souls, our minds, our thinkings. Removing anything that is in the way or disturbing or blocking. Anything that is standing between us and God. We have to work out our salvation we got a mind there's a treasure inside each and every one of you and that treasure is christ but there's a lot of rock in the way that we got a mind now here's what we can't do we can't do what adam and eve did because when paul says work out your salvation he's not telling you okay go and figure it out because that's what got adam and eve messed up and that's what gets us messed up that's how it got me messed up Thinking, okay, well, what do I need to do? How can I figure this out? Well, Paul, look at this next verse. He kind of gives the answer. How do you do this? In fact, who's really the cause of it all happening? Look at verse 13. He says this, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who's, who's doing the work. Who's doing the work? Who's doing the work? God is. Listen, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. I love that. By holding firm to the word. So you see that the more we mind the word, the more we shine in the world. And then he keeps going. Uh, well, in this case, I can boast. And so they're right there, guys. You see, look, it is God. Look right there. It is God the one. Hey, work out your salvation, but understand that God is really the one working in you. It's him in you. Salvation is something we're supposed to work out, but I need you to know that salvation is something that only God can work in. Salvation is only, God is the only one that can work salvation into you. And here's what he's saying. God is the one who he works in you to will and to work. You know what that is, will? He's saying he gives you the desires. The desire to want to change, the desire to want to do things different, the desire to live for him. Listen, it doesn't come from you. It comes from him. He gives you that desire. He changes your heart, your thinking, your your emotions. He does that. And he does what you can't do, only he can do. And not only does he give you the will, but he then gives you the ability to do it. So when you want to do something, you are not doing it in your own strength. This is why Paul would say, look, it's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. It's not me. It's him pushing me, motivating me, encouraging me. And so you can say, well, what what part of working out our salvation do we have then? If God's the one doing it all, well, you have to agree. 
You have to be in agreement with God because see, God's going to do the work in you, but he's not going to do the work for you. You hear me? There's a lot of, we got a lot of spoiled little Christians out there that just want God to do it all. And they don't want to do a thing. They don't want to lift a finger. Listen, you, there's work that you have to do, but you got to understand God is there to give you the will and the ability. You just have to take a step of faith. Ravi Zacharias has his great quote. He says this, God often reinforces our faith after we trust him, not before. God will reinforce our faith after we trust him, not before. Adam and Eve were unable to resist the temptation of the devil. Why? Because did God give them the ability to? Yep. Did God give them the will to? Yep. But they failed to resist that temptation because they stopped trusting in God. They began to doubt God. I was like, oh, wait, I don't know if I can trust what God said. I think he got it wrong or I think he's holding out on me. Listen, when you just trust in God, he reinforces, he gives you the will. He'll put a will in you, put a desire in you to do something, to, 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 to be different. But then it requires you to trust him and say, all right, God, I believe you that if I do this in this way, you're going to come through. I believe in you that if I manage my, my time, if I prioritize you, if I manage my money, if I forgive somebody, if I do this, if I do that, if I live for others, if I live for you, if I obey your word, if I do these things, I I trust you that if I obey, it's going to work out. That's what matters. A lot of us will be like, we all got the will. A lot of you got the will to change right now. But some of you probably, but maybe the the reason why we're not seeing change is because you don't trust. Like saying, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to work. And if you doubt that it's going to work, you're not going to work it out. You're not going to try. You're not going to attempt But see, it's God that gives us the will and the work to do it. He works in us so something can happen through us. But we have to be in alignment with God. Look, anybody, any baseball players? Anybody ever played baseball, softball before? Yes or no? Couple, two, three people. Have you seen a baseball glove? Okay, is that better? All right. Has anyone, do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody seen a baseball glove? Okay. Here's the thing about baseball gloves. You got to break in a baseball glove. If you know you're a baseball player, you know you got to break in a glove. All right? It's kind of different compared to some sports. And the reason why you got to break it out, we got to break in a glove, is because it's stiff. A a glove, brand new glove is a little stiff. Like you got to really like squeeze to be able to grab the ball and to do this and that. So a professional wants the glove to be super soft and flexible. So it's very effortless. He could just go and move and snag and do what he needs to do with as little effort as possible. So it's like an extension of his hand. Now, here's the thing about a glove. To be able to, this is the, an image, guys, of what it means that God works in our salvation. Look, you and I, I want you to picture a glove right now. You guys all know what a baseball glove is. Picture a glove in your mind right now. Guys, I want you to know you and I are that glove. We're made, created, formed with a purpose. But can a glove take the field without a player? Can a glove take the field without a player? Can't do it. Can a glove by itself, okay, pick up a ground ball or snatch a home run from center field. A glove can't do it by itself. The glove needs an operator, doesn't it? You and I are that glove. We got formed. We might be brand made brand new, but, but here's the thing. We need, we need something more. And when you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus is that hand now that fills the glove. So it's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Greater is he who is in me than who is against me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. You see that? He works in us. He gives us the ability to do. It is him in us alive. He is the hand. We're the glove on the hand. 
But here's the other part about the glove. If you want to break in a glove, you got to kind of work it. You got to open up the stiff leather. And so there's a lot of hacks that people do. I've been, I've done this. You can, some people take the glove, they put it in the oven. You got to bake it. You bake the, you bake the glove because the heat softens the leather. Obviously you got to be careful because house is going to stink after that if you don't do it right. But you got to do it just right because the heat softens the leather. But then there's something else you got to do is you got to keep using it. You got to keep using it. The more you obey God's word, guys, the easier it gets to obey. It's just that it is. This is in practice. But here's the other cool thing about it is that there's something called glove conditioners. It's an oil. And you take this oil and you got to work the oil in to the leather. So you got to fill you got the glove. You got to work your hand into the glove. But then you also got to work the, the oil into the glove to turn any stiff portion sensitive so that it can act and react the way it needs to in the hand of a professional. Well, guys, listen, you are that glove. And when Christ, Christ is in us. And Christ is not only in us, but he is applying the oil and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to work inside every stiff area of our lives. And the more we allow the Lord to work in the Holy Spirit in every area of our life, the more we go from stiff to sensitive, the more we go from dismissing God's voice to being submissive to saying, wow, that's the voice of God. Now I know, guys, that's what it is. It's being him working in us so then he can work through us. And so, again, what's the glove designed to do? Catch a ball, right? That's what it's designed to do. Well, God works in us to work through us. So now imagine, right, there's a fly ball just shot in the center field. And it's going to be a home run. It's out of there. You know how many souls right now are on their way? Their trajectory is hell. They're, they're flying, living their life. Each and every one of us, when we're born, we're on a trajectory. We're out of there, on our way to hell. But see, now... Now, if God works in us and through us, just like that glove, he then uses us to snatch any soul that's on their way to hell to send them home. That's what he does. That's what it's for, to snatch anybody that's on their way away from God as they're leaving home to wherever. Now God wants to use us. He works in us so he can work through us to snag anybody that's on their direction going the wrong way so we can send them back home. That's what we're supposed to do. That's why God wants to work in us to do something through us. But here's the last part. Here's the important third point for today. If God, if salvation is something God has to work in, then here's something you got to know about salvation. Ready? That means that salvation is something you can't work for. You got you to let this one sink right here because here's, 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 the, here's the one right now. Here's the one right now. That this is where we get it wrong. This is where I've gotten it wrong plenty of times. Still do, and I got to be careful. Okay, working out your salvation is constant. You just got it's constant maintenance. You got to keep going. This right here, this last third point. If you get off on this third point, this is when you start to mess things up. We can put it up. I want you to look at this last verse here. Listen, salvation is not something you can work for. That means that you can't earn that blessing from God. You can't earn the will. If you want the will to change and you want the ability to change, you can't earn it. You can't work for it. Notice, it's God who does it in you. You just have to receive what you have. If there, There's a lot of people out there, and I've learned to try to pray this prayer differently. I used to pray a lot. Lord, give me the strength to do whatever. Anybody ever pray that prayer? Some, some of you might have. God, give me the strength. I've got to go to school tomorrow, Lord. Give me the strength. Some of y'all this morning, give me the strength just to get out of bed. All right? Just give me the strength. Give me the strength. Guys, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn to pray that differently because I know that in Christ... Christ in me is all powerful. 
So instead of me saying, Lord, give me the strength, I'm saying, Lord, help me access the strength that I have. You see the difference there? Help me to access the strength that I have already, not because I've earned it or deserved it. It's because of what God has given me in Christ. And so, guys, we need to understand salvation is something that we can't work for. It's a gift. God purchased it for you. You can't work for it. There's a lot of people out there trying their religious activity, even trying to do certain things, go to church and do this and do that. And they think if I just have enough good religious activity, God's going to bless me. Guys, that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil still today. People still sucking on them lemons. They still eating. They're still eating the same fruit saying, let me just try to live a better life. And then God's going to bless me and I'll find life. No, you can't. It doesn't work that way. You can't work to earn God's blessings. You can't work to earn it. God has done the work for you. You receive it. And here in this last part, this is back in Genesis. This is at the very end. They've, uh, you know, Adam and Eve got confronted with their sin. Okay, guy, he got confronted with everything and everybody and all this stuff. And then God does something amazing here. He kicks them out. He evicts them. All right. This was the first eviction ever. All right. So if this has ever happened to you, look, Adam and Eve, well, they were the first. Okay. So check it out. So God sent him, Adam and Eve, away from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out and stationed a cherubim and the flaming whirling sword east of the garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life. See, there was another tree there besides the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life was there permanently and they could have accessed that forever and they had life. But here's the thing, because of their sin now, there's this separation and God knew, look, I'm going to protect you. I'm not going to kick you out of the garden because I'm upset with you because I love you. I need to do a couple of different, something difficult. I got to kick you out of this amazing place because if you stay here and you reach for that tree, you are going to die forever in this eternal separation. There's no fixing it. There's no fixing it. So we had to kick them out. But what I love is those lists. What is he supposed to do? Work. The ground. Come on, say that word with me. Say word. Guys, I love this part. Adam and Eve lost paradise, but they didn't lose their purpose. They lost paradise, but they didn't lose their purpose. They didn't. At the very beginning, Adam in chapter two, God made Adam and said, God, you know, Adam woke up. He got that breath and okay, where am I? And he woke up and God said, Hey, you ready? I got a job for you. And he gives him the garden of Eden. He gives him a purpose. Adam just woke up. He didn't earn it. He didn't deserve it. He just woke up. That's all he did. And God gave it to him. See, that was blessings. But then here, he messed it up. He failed to trust in God. He had no him and Eve, no fear of God. They messed it all up. And instead of God taking them out, what did he do? He said, hey, you still got work to do. The work's going to be a little more difficult. It's going to be a little different. But your purpose still remains. And the reason why is because Adam and Eve had placed their faith once again back on God. You guys know that they put their trust in God. And how do I know this? Right before the sentence, right before God kicks him out, Adam did something amazing. He goes to Eve and says, Hey, your name is Eve. That sounds like, I want you guys to know. I don't know if you knew this. Eve was named after they messed up. When first Adam saw Eve, he just said, whoa, whoa, man. I was like, yeah, that's a woman. That's a super dad. That's a bad, that's a dad joke right there. Right. Cause he calls her woman. He was like, whoa, man, what's this? So that's, that's different. That's not like a giraffe or something. Whoa, what is this? What is this? No. So the first time Adam meets Eve, he says, your name is woman. But now after, after everything happened, he says, no, your name is different. 
I'm going to call you Eve now. That was an amazing statement of faith. Because see, previously God promised Eve, look, the devil used you. The devil used you to usher in the curse. Well, I'm going to use women to reverse the curse in the name of Jesus. And through Jesus, that's what he did. He did that. He reversed the curse by undoing what the devil had did through a woman. So God is going to say, I'm going to use women to bring life into this world. And one of those women is going to be, a, is going to produce a life giver, a deliverer who's going to destroy the enemy and bring about and rescue mankind. And so when Adam goes to woman, I say, wait, 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 you're not woman anymore. You're Eve. Eve means life giver. So when he called Eve, Eve, that was a statement of faith. That's saying, I believe in God. I agree with God that he's going to fulfill this purpose in your life and through what he said. That through woman, there will be a life giver. That was a statement of faith. And it was also a statement of forgiveness. Because a minute ago, Adam threw both God and Eve under the bus. When God said, yo, Adam, what's wrong, bro? What happened here? The first thing out of Adam's mouth, yo, this woman you gave me. All right, he threw Eve under the bus, but he put a blame on God. Y'all catch that? Yo, God, this woman you gave me, if you wouldn't have done this, yo, we'd be cool, bro. It was fine, just you and me. I don't know what happened, bro. This is your fault. Don't look at me. But when he goes and names Eve, Eve, it's now a statement of humility and of faith. Lord, I now believe, I believe, I come into agreement with your word that through women, there will be a life giver and that women will be life givers. And also to say to Eve, you are a life giver is now saying, listen, you're not a life taker. I'm not going to blame you for all of our circumstances. I'm not going to blame you anymore. He is calling greatness. He is calling God's purposes out of her. He is calling God's purposes out of her. And that's what we need to do. And as we see here, God says, look, you got to go out. You got to work to do. You might've lost paradise. You haven't lost your purpose. You still got work. You got to work on maintaining work, on trusting me. But you can't come this way. Did you guys see in that verse it said the swirly, flaming, whirling sword? There was a sword of fire zigzagging across. And just to make sure Adam understood, listen, you can't come to me. You can't find life if you come to me. I have to go to you. So he puts this flaming sword out there that if anybody would have just got a little close, done, okay, took him out. Why? Because he was saying, listen, you can't get to life. You can't find life on your own. You can't figure it out. Again, salvation is something you can't work for. You can't figure it out. You can't come to me. I have to go to you. It's, it's almost like, have you ever seen a parking lot? Have you ever been in a car and you had to drive over spikes that are like faced a certain way? That if you, you can drive over them one way, right? You ever had to do that? Have you ever wondered? I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, just you're nervous that it might pop even though you're going in the right direction. I get paranoid like that sometimes. So there's these spikes that are leave a parking lot and they're curved all a certain way. And if you drive the way that they're curved, no, no damage to the tire. But what happens though if you want to try to go against the spikes? Damage. You're going to just slash up all your tires. You ain't getting into the parking lot. That's what that flaming sword was. It's saying, listen, if you try to come to this, you're going to die. You're going to incur damage more upon yourself. You can't come to me. Only I can go to you. And goes, who's grateful that Jesus didn't just wait there long enough, waiting for us to get to him, that he came to us. Jesus came to us. He didn't because he knew we couldn't go to him. He came to us. That's why we can't earn these blessings, not even with religious activity. We have to recognize it is a gift that God had. We can't work for it, but it's a gift that God earned to work for us. 
And guys, and here's the, the, the last, here's the application I want to take. I want to encourage you with this one. Because this is something that is not so much something you're going to do now. It's something that you got to do when you leave here today. And the application is this. you got to work out what God has worked in. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, understand God has deposited something in you. And you need to work out what God has worked in. And to work out your salvation is awesome. It means literally walking in the joy of your salvation. It's growing. It's, it's learning, rediscovering just what you have, who God is and who you are in him. To work out what God has worked in is to learn to better walk in the joy of your salvation. That's what remembering, repenting, that's what we're talking about the season of Lent. It's remembering if there's any area in your life that is not surrendered to God. Or if there's any area where you see, man, I hate this sin that I am caught in. You repent and say, Lord, Give me the will to change. Give me the, the strength to change. You don't try to do this alone. You, you can't. If you try to figure it out, it's not going to work out, guys. I'm trying to. That, that's my biggest burden for y'all. Because I know what it's like to waste a lot of time like that. So don't. This is, this is why this is good news. The gospel is not good advice. I'm not out here giving you good advice. I'm out here giving you good news. Good advice is now, hey, you'll, you go do something. There's good news that you don't have to do it alone, that God is there to give you the help and the hope that you need, that you are not alone in this, that your current circumstance does not have to be what it is, and it's not on you to get it out. It's on Christ, but you got to put it on him. you got to put it on him, and continually, the more you remember who God is, the more you remember his word, the more you repent, the more God will renew you, and the more you will reflect Christ in all that you do. Guys, this is called growing. And there's grace in growing. You guys know when people get married, what happens? There's a lot of things that change, right? When people get married and they're in a relationship like that, there's a lot of things that change. There's some things that change instantly. Maybe the wife's name changes, right? Or if, if you're the, like that, maybe it's the dudes. I don't know, whatever. It's kind of different with 2020s. So who knows what, what, what's, what's up right now? So maybe sometimes the name changes right at the beginning, right? Sometimes your, your license has to change because why? Your address changed. A lot of that is quick. When you get married, a lot of things change quickly. But how many of you guys know that, I mean, some of you married, you know, sometimes things that, uh, not everything changes right away. It, it takes time to learn from thinking in me and then thinking in we, right? Any married folks now know what I'm talking about? It takes some time to get used to that. It takes time to process, to grow, and for a lot of other things to change. And guys, I want you to know that when you put your faith in Christ, there are some things that change automatically. You have a new name. Like we declared earlier today, you have a new name and that name is son and daughter of God. That is who you are. That is a label. You can't grow into that. You're there. You got it. But there is grace to grow, grace to grow, to reflect more of Christ, grace to grow, to allow God to work in you and work through you to to you from going to, from thinking and living as me, 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 me to now living Christ in me, Christ in me, Christ in me takes time. So you need grace to grow. And listen, and we need to give grace to each other. As God works in, look, God works in me to work through me, to work in you. So hopefully he's working in you to work through her. And then as you's working in her to, through him. And this is, what, this is what a church is. This is why we have a church, not a YouTube channel. Okay? Because we need that. We need this community to, for the Lord to work in us and through us. And that's what matters most. And so guys, listen. The good news for today is you don't got to figure this all out. But you do have to work it out by allowing the Lord to do a work in you and through you. It's not just good advice. Okay. It's good news because we're not alone in this. 
And God has an amazing gift that he wants us to uncover and to discover over and over and over and over again. And that's what it means when we walk in the joy of our salvation. It's like, wow, like what I have, what I have, what I thought I had is so much better than I thought. So to recap, today we learned that the Lord, inspired by the Holy Spirit, inspires Paul to write to that church and to speak to the church even today, that we are called to work out our salvation. That doesn't mean we're called to figure it out. Okay? We are called to work out our salvation with God, through God. We are not called to figure it out without Him. All right. And so I want to encourage you, just remember those truths today. Remember the fact that it is something that God works in and that we can't work for because God has already purchased it and done it and he has given it for us because he is for us. And so I want to challenge you, you know, because I know the enemy is going to try to cloud it up and try to get you to do things on your own and to say, okay, this is on you now. But ultimately, it's on Christ. It's on God. And we need to stand in agreement with God. And that's what repentance means. Repentance as a believer is to continually say, Lord, I agree with this. I agree with you. And I want to surrender more of my life, more areas of my life to you so that I can reflect you to the world, to my friends, to my family. And so, guys, in the end, working out your salvation is really believing Okay, trusting, agreeing with God. Because when you believe, when he places the will in your heart to do and to change and to be, and when you believe that he will do it, and you take that act of faith, he will reinforce and give you the ability to follow through. Okay, you can't follow through in your faith without him. You need him. We need him more than we realize. And that's, again, why it's called good news, not good advice. Because we have a great God who is working and desires to work in us and through us because he is for us. I want to thank you for listening. Be sure to check back as we continue this series on Lent and learning how to just continue to repent and rely and so the Lord can renew and reflect himself through us. And as we leave here, remember, be a revolutionary and see God change the world as you revolve your life around Christ shine your light in the darkness. All right, God bless you. See you next week and get to working out.